Welcome to Primitive Moves, a podcast brought to you by Gettysburg College and Gettysburg Entrepreneurial Thinkers. I'm Marco Greenberg, author of Primitive, Tapping the Primal Drive that Powers the World's Most Successful People. On this podcast, I'm talking to the brightest minds in business to get their advice for students jumping into the job market and anyone at any point in their career journey. Here to help me are Professor Drew Murphy and a bunch of Gettysburg students. Today, you'll hear our conversation with Jackie Adams. She joined CBS News during the Iran hostage crisis, then worked her way up to become the network's first black female White House correspondent. She now runs a strategic communications firm, writes a column for the Christian Science Monitor, and serves as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Her new book, which she wrote with Google Vice President Benita C. Stewart, is called A Blessing, Women of Color Teaming Up to Lead, Empower, and Thrive. In our conversation, Jackie looks back at her incredible career trajectory, shares her thoughts on the importance of diversity and inclusion, and explains how listening to her inner voice has been a key to her success. Here's Jackie Adams. I want you to go back growing up in Boston. Your father was an incredible influence on your life. I'd like you to maybe start there and and talk about how your dad helped you honor your inner voice. My father was uh, extraordinary. He wouldn't let me buy popular clothes. He wouldn't let me buy fads. He always said, if you wear good conservative clothes, you're always in style. And that gave me the thought that I should trust my own voice, that I shouldn't follow the crowd. My first conscious memory is of my father saying to me, when you're Black in America, to be equal, you have to be superior. And it's an acknowledgement of institutional racism. And it is a heavy burden. And yes, it is unfair. But my reaction wasn't any of those. My reaction was, is that all it takes? (laughs) Because when you're a kid, school is your work. And what else are you doing that's more important than working hard and getting all A's? And so I did. And I got an 800 on a college board and I got admitted early decision to an Ivy League school. And that gave me a confidence. But I've thought about this notion since that time. The fact is that nobody is inferior. Everybody has a superpower. And I did a talk uh, last week with one of the contributors to the book. Actually, she's my dearest friend. And she puts post-it notes on her bathroom mirror to remind herself every single day, first thing in the morning, just what her superpowers are. And I would suggest that for everyone. But I think that this sense that I might not deserve to be where I am, or I might not be good enough, that's a poisonous fog. Some people call it an emotional tax. Other people say it's part of this imposter syndrome. But I think we just need to blow it all away. It's just a fog of lies, this myth of inferiority. What do you do with the fog? You blow it away. Beautiful. And along the way, you had many people who really championed you. Do you want to identify some of your mentors along the way, including Brian at CBS News? I remember in the book, 
you talking a lot about he saw what your destiny is. He realized your potential and you rose to the top of the organization over 20 years. You can find mentors of different genders, of different groups, of different ages, and the ability to foster a relationship with them can be key to leapfrogging ahead in your career. And you're an example of that. Well, I met Brian Healy on my first day at CBS News way back in 1979. And uh, he said to me, you're going to have a great career at CBS. And 40 years later, I went back to him and I asked him why he said that to me, what he had known about me before I walked in his office. And his comments, I think, are instructive for everyone. He felt a connection with me that I didn't even know was a thing He grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and I grew up in Boston. And so he felt a geographic kinship with me. Again, I didn't know where he was from. He was just this little Irish Catholic guy, and he was my boss. But he felt that kinship. So for people beginning to enter the workforce, when you're doing your interviews with people, you might want to try to suss out where there are similarities in, you know, just the simplest thing with the people that you're going to be working with. And he said I was high energy, and there were a lot of uh, older male correspondents at the time are kind of grumpy and uh, you know you can imagine who they all are but here I was uh, I was high energy um, and I joined CBS when a big news story was happening American diplomats were taken hostage in Tehran and they stayed there for 444 days this was during the Jimmy Carter administration and so this became a big story and again these uh, cranky old guys Uh, Brian was the lead producer for the CBS morning news And they didn't want to get up in the morning and they didn't want to report the story. But I was there. It was a big story. Brian needed people that he could trust. And so I got a lot of airtime. Love that. And you're also someone who has worn different hats in your career. You're certainly of the agnostic mindset, right? That you can jump from lane to lane, from field to field, rather than just being occupational on one Focus. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jackie, about what you've learned from being a Renaissance person? Again, I was very lucky. I graduated from college and learned about a special program at Columbia Journalism School, got into that program, and I was placed in the CBS affiliate station in the fifth market in the country in Boston. Graduated from college in May, in May was on television in September. And I did that for four years until my brain was turning to silly putty. I had friends who'd gone to Harvard Business School. I bought a condominium. My across-the-hall neighbors taught at the business school. Applied, got in, quit, discovered that school was really hard because they grade on a curve. The weekend anchor quit. The news director asked me to come back and anchor on the weekend. So business school became an insurance policy against very odd internal politics in TV. And then TV became an insurance policy against the very difficult courses at Harvard Business School. But I did both well. And I always tell young people to do something very, very hard when you're young. I knew that working seven days a week, going to school, a very demanding school five days a week, and then, in essence, reading bedtime stories to adults on the weekends, that nothing in life would be more difficult than that. And in fact, nothing has been. So I know where there aren't boundaries. I can do anything. You left CBS News when you stopped having fun. 
It looks like you're having a lot of fun being an author. So tell us about A Blessing. And the vision is to change the narrative for women of color, to create a substantive and a scalable rallying cry around this notion of teaming up as business professionals from tech and media. Benita is a vice president at Google. In fact, she was the first African-American person named vice president at Google. Together, it just made sense for us to team up and create this new mission-driven venture. Do you have a prescription that you'd like to offer to corporate America to, in a substantive way, improve diversity, inclusion, and give people of color, especially women of color, a true seat, or in this case, seats at the table of senior management? Because there's a lot of talk, but sometimes there are people that are not really walking the walk. Could you address that? There are kind of four key themes in the book, and they deal with hiring and inclusive leadership and a concept that we've coined that comes from the research called generational diversity, and then this notion of teaming up. And the first theme is hire us, hire brilliant, ambitious women of color and hire us in multiples. This era of tokenism, of hiring one and being done, is really over. What we learned doing research is that Black women are the most educated sector of the U.S. population, and that's according to the U.S. Census. And we're hidden in plain sight, and increasingly, a number of firms, our headhunting firms, are innovating to create new recruiting models to replace those that have truthfully been historically biased against people of color. The second key theme is become an inclusive leader. Our book can provide these allies with very specific tips. The first is be courageous. The second is look for potential rather than perfection. The third is look beyond people who look just like you when you're searching for talent. I mean, Brian did that. He knew before I got there that I was from the same state and that was a connection, but I didn't know that for 40 years. But if he had been looking for another short Irish Catholic guy, I, I wouldn't have made the cut. The fourth item is become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I like this notion because Marco, I know you are very gym-centric. When you think about the gym, your muscles only grow and become stronger when you stretch them. Sometimes people call it a pleasant ache. Leaders need to stretch their leadership muscles, their management muscles, and discomfort should not be viewed as a negative. Leaders, of course, are used to practicing IQ, intelligence, and EQ, emotional intelligence, with the be courageous and, you know, look for potential, not perfection, we're urging that these leaders develop CQ skills, cultural intelligence. Mm -hmm. But we're also encouraging leaders to focus on generational diversity. And I'm going to give you a couple of facts and then a couple of things that we learned from our survey. The demographics in the United States are changing rapidly. By 2027, which is tomorrow, really. The Census Bureau tells us that people of color, ages 18 to 29, Gen Z and millennials, your students, these students of color, young people of color, are going to be in the majority here in the United States. 
And this will be a significant tipping point that begins to shape the future of the US and our global economy. Already in states like California, and I'm in New York City here in cities like New York, people of color are already the majority. And as a result of COVID with worker mobility changing, we're gonna see companies start to open and expand locations to be able to attract this diverse talent. The most important investment business leaders uh, and leaders of any organization colleges will make are the people within your workforces. And from our research, we found that these Gen Z and millennial workers are mission-driven and innovative and supremely confident. And they're demanding workplaces that provide the support they need to thrive. And that's in essence, a greater sense of belonging, a sense of well-being. I don't think people, particularly young people realize this. When you're applying for a job, yes, you uh, see someone on a Zoom or you go into an office and interview face-to-face with someone. And yes, they are interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. And when I talked about that inner voice, that sense of self, you can tell when you're interacting with someone, whether you feel comfortable with them. You should not take any job that's offered to you. You should take a job where you feel a connection, where you feel a cultural fit. And that way you might stay there for more than two years. Sure, it's about the money. Sure, it's about paying off your loans. But you are in control. You get to choose them as well as they're choosing you. Beautiful. Any overriding advice that you have for Gettysburg students who are looking at automation and globalization and AI and big data and less jobs, frankly. Any thoughts in terms of when you look at your career and the challenges that you had, as well as what was most rewarding? Any thoughts to sum up for our students listening? Well, when I was in college, I helped organize a conference about the future. And the keynote speaker was a futurist named Robert Theobald. He said something that I've never forgotten and that I've always lived. He said that our work and our pleasure should be one. And if work and pleasure were one, we would never resent having to work forever. And so I adopted that theory. And when work was no longer my pleasure, when I was an aging woman at CBS, I had done the preparation, I had a way out. And so I did something else. Yes, there are technological jobs. Yes, there are going to be different jobs. I mean, we went from an agrarian society to an industrial society, and now we're in a technological society. But the jobs that are never going to go away are jobs that require the human touch. You just think creatively about jobs in the fields that you care about, but the jobs that require the human touch can never go away. Super valuable insights from Jackie Adams. Now let's open up the discussion to Professor Drew Murphy and our Gettysburg College students. For Gettysburg students, you know, leaving our liberal arts education, if you could talk more about your interaction with people that might not have that liberal arts exposure 
and how you've been able to work with them on a team. I'm curious to see how any challenges you've had with people that might not have that liberal arts exposure in their undergrad experience. People are people. And you will very quickly discover when you leave college that what you majored in and what you studied is completely irrelevant to the rest of your life. When I tell people to go to business school, and I think you should begin planning for a graduate school of some kind so that you have an extra credential and the best credential you can buy in your hip pocket, what the the big takeaway is going to be, and it was for me at Harvard Business School, was the network. The human relations, the networks are most important. And you're going to be sitting next to someone or or in a Zoom chat with someone. And whether they majored in French or astrophysics, you're going to be doing the same job. So, you know, you need to find other areas of commonality. We have a question from a student in the chat. They ask, How can I implement routines or ideas that could help me overcome imposter syndrome? Well, first of all, it's not true. It's a myth. No one is inferior. You deserve to be in every room that you want to go in. Doesn't it motivate you a little bit when you have that small chip on the shoulder, when you don't think you know it all, when you want to prove yourself, that hasn't been part of your secret sauce. Benita, my co-author and I, the one slight disagreement that we had was about this very issue. She's a Google, she's a technology person, and failure is apparently part of the process in being in technology. I hate that word failure. I might make a mistake and I will learn from that. And I have never made the same mistake twice, as far as I can tell. But I hate this notion of embracing failure. Maybe it's an East Coast, West Coast thing. But I refuse to buy into the notion that failure can make you strong. No, failure sucks. (laughs) What gives you the most hope about reconciliation in this country? Have there been moments that have inspired you with with optimism and with faith in our country's future? I've always been optimistic. I've always been a glass half full person, even in the darkest parts of the history of the last 50 years. But what gives me the most hope are these students, the Gettysburg students and the young people that I have in my life. As I said, they are mission driven. They're not going to take the mistreatment that, you know, might have happened in earlier in my career. They are passionate, they are mission-driven, and they are confident, and they're, they're taking over. That was author, journalist, and communications strategist, Jackie Adams. You can find her on LinkedIn. Big thanks to her for stopping by. And as always, thanks to Professor Murphy and the students of Gettysburg College. Primitive Moves is hosted by me, Marco Greenberg, and produced by Caroline Glennon and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Until next week, keep trusting your primal instincts.